Good morning, afternoon, good evening, North Stream. We're this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to talk about. Elon Musk and Twitter officially are going to be going to courts. GM stealing my ideas, and I'm totally okay with that. And then Unity. Oh man, Unity. I doubt like a lot of you have heard what Unity just did. But let me tell you, what Unity has done is going to be quite, uh, whoo, that might be the spiciest story for the week. And Elon Musk was in the news. That should tell you something. First things first, though, we need to talk about Bondi. Bondi Namco has confirmed it got hacked. And they are currently in the middle of investigating damages according to videogameschronicle.com bandai namco has confirmed claims that its servers have been hacked and confidential information has been required the attack appears to have been caused by ransomware caused by a group called alpha i know a lot of people love correcting my terrible pronunciation but i challenge you how in the heck are you supposed to pronounce a-L-P-H-V. Alpha. <laughs> Hooked on phonics isn't helping me at all here. But the group has supposedly gotten access to confidential files, most likely through the use of some ransomware. And in fact, supposedly, the Pac-Man, Tekken, and Dark Souls published... Oh, I'm sorry. I read the statement. I read the sentence wrong. Bandai Namco has in fact confirmed that it was indeed hacked. This is what I get for like glancing through. Someone in chat says ALF 5. Oh, that could be. That could very well be. In any case, they have confirmed that that in fact files were stolen. There is the possibility that customer information related to the toys and hobbyist business in Asian regions, excluding Japan for reasons that we don't know yet were included on the servers and PCs that were compromised. They are currently trying to figure out exactly what has all been leaked out. So far, nothing has been confirmed, but there are some reports that things like the source code of Pac-Man have in fact been stolen and are now out there. Now, here's my question. What good is the source code of Pac-Man gonna do for you? Ah, excellent. I can compile it and then have Pac-Man. Now, of course, this is all just in the speculation state right now. We don't know entirely what has all been stolen. Someone in chat asks, who, who does this benefit? Well, this benefits the hackers who went ahead and stole a whole bunch of information in hopes of getting a payday. Cause odds are pretty good now that they're going to get a payday. How good of a payday? I don't know. Probably not a very good one to be perfectly honest, but that is the state of things. And we're just gonna have to wait and see how things are going to end up for Bondi Namco. In other news, water is wet. So because water is still in fact wet, naturally, we need to talk about a new exploit found on Intel and AMD CPUs. 
Yep, it is another speculative execution attack. Another one that, in fact, most of you will never be affected by. And it's going to affect the data center heavily. But the way it is going to affect you is that this can result in a 12 to 28% performance loss, according to early speculation from the engineers working on the fix. Thanks. That's what I needed. I needed my old rust bucket PC to become even more old and rust bustic rust rust bucket tastic. I just just what else can you say to this thing? We could go over, we can talk about the new uh the new attack. By the way, its name is Ret Bleed. Yeah, I I really don't <laughs> I got nothing else to say about it to be perfectly honest. Even the name's not even that cool. And the unfortunate thing is that the patch for this one is going to make things even worse for pretty much everyone. That being said, though, some have speculated that this is going to be one of the silver bullets that puts an end to x86 and forces all to embrace the glory that is ARM. Yeah, we've seen what high-end ARM can do, and quite frankly, us performance nuts over on the x86 side of things, we're not impressed right now, for starters. And then second, YOU HAVE THEM TOO! <laughs> The ARM fanboys wanting to go ahead and try to poke x86 while it's down forgetting the fact that they get these things all the time too. It's just not a whole lot of people talk about it because it's very easy to patch them on the ARM side of things. Now, could this mean down the road that x86 just ends up being nothing and ARM ends up being the future? Yeah, quite possibly. It's quite possible that I hit my mic causing, ever causing everyone to go, what the heck was that? It's quite possible that ARM will in fact be the future. It most likely will be, but it ain't it now. So for anyone to go ahead and go, oh, they look, the freaking rat bleed gonna go end all thing with x86, I'm good. That's you, that's how dumb you sound. That's all I gotta say to it. Speaking of sounding dumb, um, let's talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. Cause that's never gonna get old, right? Right? Twitter has hired the US law firm Rat watchet <laughs> Why did I say it like that? Watch till to sue Elon Musk after pulling out of the forty-four billion dollar deal. Now the reason why the name of the law firm is very interesting, watch till Lipton and Ro Rosen and Katz, they're the ones that are gonna be leading the lawsuit. The ones trying to get Elon Musk to to force the force Elon to buy Twitter. Why is this interesting? Because this same law firm developed the poison pill. You remember when this whole thing started, right? When Elon was first showing interest in buying Twitter and then all of a sudden, Twitter was just like, yeah, we don't want this hostile takeover. We're gonna go ahead and implement this poison pill that will, if Elon does try to buy us, make it infinitely harder for Elon to do so. Remember that? This same law firm developed that poison pill. The same guys who went ahead and developed the tools to prevent Elon to buy Twitter are now the ones going to court to force Elon to buy Twitter. The irony 
is just mmm. It's delicious. What else can you say to this complete and utter insanity? My, oh my, oh my, oh my. But of course, the whole concept of uh, Twitter forcing Elon to buy them is just, just on its face sounds ridiculous. Like, how often have you heard of a court of law forcing someone to go through with a deal? It never happens. It never, ever, ever happens. So what was the real end game? The real end game here most likely is going to be Twitter suing Elon to get money, to get more money out of Elon for damages. Because this whole thing has absolutely tanked Twitter stock. That and also the economy in general has tanked Twitter stock. Someone in chat asks, what's the basis for their argument? They have a contract. That's it. That's the base. That's their base of their argument right now. But of course, this is just them saying they're going to sue. Nothing has been out in the public yet. And in fact, more and more people are starting to buy onto the theory that this whole thing, this whole thing most likely was, in fact, an attempt by Elon Musk just to sell $8.5 billion worth of Tesla stock for a justified reason so it doesn't tank the value of Tesla stock. I mean, would you really be surprised at all at this point? Wouldn't surprise me at all. It really wouldn't. Going ahead and jerking everyone's chain just for the sole purpose of keeping Tesla stock high. And in fact, to be perfectly frank, Tesla stock itself is in a very weird limbo state. Because look at the health of the economy, uh, of not the economy, the health of Tesla as a company. You have four vehicle models out there. Two of them got overhauls that are not friendly to the average person. The other two are back ordered for about six months. So no one is really enticed to go ahead and buy a new one. To make matters even worse, you have this weird drama of... Uh, autopilot not being autopilot and then the price for autopilot constantly going up the price before was 4k an upgrade for the full self-driving that wasn't available yet now that it's proven to not work it being out but not functional it's now 10,000 it's a miracle tesla stock isn't crashing right now especially since they do have two more vehicles coming the tesla semi the tesla cyber truck polygon thing rendered on an n64 that wishes it was never born and both those vehicles have some serious design flaws in just being user accessible the semi not having a sleeper at all and then of course the actual seat being centered inside the semi yeah i'm willing to bet all kinds of cdl holders are going to love having to go and recompensate how to drive a 40 ton vehicle down the road and keep it in the lanes when they're in the wrong position in the vehicle. That's going to go over great. And then, of course, there's a lot of question of what is the carrying cargo capacity of the Tesla Semi? Because if you go to the site and try to get that, you're going to be very disappointed. In fact, here, let's go over there right now. Just about every single commercial-grade semi-truck that you get, the key thing that everyone cares about 
is the cargo carrying capacity of it. All right. And this is an important number. You go on the site and get the specs. We have zero to 60 with, with a full 80K payload at 20 seconds. Max speed up a 5% grade, 60 miles per hour. All right, that's good. Mile range, 300 or 500 mile range. We have the powertrain. We have the energy consumption, the fuel savings and all this shit. The tow rating and the GV and, and the GBW gross vehicle weight are missing. I feel ashamed that I didn't notice this glaring flaw sooner. The GVWR is, it's insanely important. For starters, the GVWR in any commercial vehicle says what you can legally drive depending on your driver's license. I mean, that matters tons within the states here. For example, when I moved, I drove a large 26 foot long medium duty truck, which I enjoyed way more than I should have. I don't have a CDL anymore, but because it is a 26,000 GVWR vehicle that is below my legal limit. In the case of a logistics specialist, the GVWR plus the weight, the weight of the empty trailer, you take that, subtract it from 80,000 because that's the most amount of poundage you can carry on the road and have it be legal. That is insanely important. The fact that the GVWR is not listed is shocking. Underline shocking. And before you go, oh man, you're being very unfair to it. Well, as I'm stalling for time by rambling off about how important it is, I am currently on Freightliner's site trying to find where they have theirs listed. And I'm very quickly finding out that it's in their brochure that I really don't want to download right now. Yep. Although we do get the actual horsepower and torque. Did Tesla give us the torque? No, Tesla doesn't give us the torque or the horsepower. What the heck? They didn't even give us the torque and horsepower. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, unfortunately, Freightliner doesn't have their GVW listed either. On the site, you've got to go and dig into their various brochures. Slow freaking clap. Uh, but yeah, back to my point after this uh, hilarious si side uh, distraction. Tesla's stock isn't exactly in the most stable state either. If anyone stopped drinking the Kool-Aid and kind of saw that Tesla's being managed into a very strange pit, you could trigger a sell-off that could cause Tesla's stock to completely tank. And I, I'll just tell you this right now, I would not invest more money in Tesla. I think their stock is destined to, to go plummeting, especially after Ford is having such a positive, just an absolute positive, just, I am losing my, my train of thought here. The feedback they're getting from the uh, F-150 Lightning and the Mach-E as gas prices, you know, are well over $4. Yeah, Tesla's stock is going to be taking a hit just because Tesla is having a very, very, very hard time actually innovating. While the other big boys, the other major car manufacturers, they are going way up. Someone in chat says, yeah, what about the Ford Maverick? The Ford Maverick, you're getting a very good uh, feedback as well. But um, here's the thing. 
when it comes to taking down Tesla, the Maverick is not going to do it. The F-150 Lightning will. The Mach-E will. The Lightning series for the remaining F-series line, 250s, 350s, 450s, 550s, that is going to be the future. The Transit, the Transit E, the E-Transit, that is going to be the future for Ford at least. The Maverick, it's a good little pickup truck. And 40 miles to, to the gallon, top notch, A plus, especially in a little pickup truck like that. Oddly enough, at a stoplight, I was sitting next to a, uh, I was sitting next to a Maverick. For those who don't know, I drive a Ford 500, which honestly is a Ford Taurus. But for whatever reason during that era, they just decided to call it the 500. But it's a sedan. The Maverick is the same size as my sedan. Someone in chat says, I would not be surprised if Elon was the downfall of Tesla and not other manufacturers do doing good stuff. It's going to be the two. It's going to be a combination of the two. Tesla right now has the momentum, but their momentum is taking them nowhere. I mean, just think about this for a minute. Aside from the remodeled Model S and Model X, name one thing that Tesla has launched recently that was worth mentioning. I'll wait. Those of you listening to the VOD version won't be waiting in as long. Someone in chat says the Powerwall. The Tesla Powerwall unfortunately launched before the Model Y. The whole solar panels Powerwall thing, granted, interesting stuff. Unfortunately, yeah, no, that's extremely old at this point. There's only one thing that Tesla has introduced in the last three years that was worth mentioning. And you know what it was? It is a slightly different way of manufacturing and constructing the lithium polymer battery. Or is it the lithium ion battery? I don't know. Whichever one they actually use for the lithium batteries. That is it. And actually, you know what? I lied. Cause that's not out yet. So yeah, they've announced nothing. They've launched nothing. Other than a refresh, to the S and X, which honestly, if I had the money and the brain damage to go ahead and pick up a Model S or X, I mean, I'll just say this right now. If I had the money to actually go electric car shopping, it would be the Lightning. It would just straight up be the Lightning. Or it would be a used mid-model X. Mostly because those gold wing doors are actually like pretty cool. But this new revamp, the steering wheel not having stocks, going to capacitive buttons on the whole thing it is a terrible design decision. There's no other way to say it. It is a terrible, awful, useless design decision and one that is going to be the cause of more accidents than it is going to be a benefit to anything. Uh, but that's okay, because down the road, we're going to be strictly using that kind of amazing self-driving functionality that Tesla has. Ah, yes, the self-driving function uh, that uh, hasn't advanced in three years. The self-driving function that they are still going ahead and just having random people beta test out in the public. Yes, that's self-driving. That's fantastic. Let's go ahead and use that. It'll be great. <sighs> in any case, let's actually get back to the actual topic, which is, in fact, that Twitter is suing Elon Musk. 
And you want to know how you know you are dealing with a mature individual on both sides, that this is going to be a very serious, very professional lawsuit, and definitely not a court case that is going to be as chaotic and insane as the Amber Heard trial. It is because Twitter is on record as saying that the smiling poop emoji that Elon Musk used as a reply will be used as evidence in the lawsuit against him. I thought there was going to be at least one adult in the in the courtroom. Are you kidding me? Oh. Yeah, for those of you that were just hoping that Elon Musk was going to get absolutely railed for his behavior with the way this whole Twitter de- deal went down, I got bad news for you. It turns out Twitter is uh just as dumb. Probably not as dumb, but pretty freaking close well if you still have your popcorn from the uh, amber heard and uh johnny depp trial we'll first give it a taste test first make sure it hasn't gone too stale and then probably throw it out anyway and go prep and pop up a fresh batch because man this is gonna be a wild ride in fact actually don't pop your popcorn yet because um well we have the date we have the date on when this whole show is gonna go ahead and someone's reminding me that uh, the notion of fresh batch and popcorn is absolutely ridiculous since, pop, since you know, uh, popcorn kind of just uh, stays in a closet for a stupid long amount of time. I suppose it is pretty difficult to actually get like fresh, fresh popcorn because most likely even when you get it in the shop, the entire chat is now just starting to be uh, smiling poop emojis. Anyway, we have a date. The first court hearing and when we're actually going to hear these statements by both Elon Musk and Twitter for the basis of this trial is going to be July 19th, this Tuesday. Someone in chat says, wow, swift justice. (laughs) Hold your horses there, bud, because that's going to be the hearing. The actual trial is not going to start until September. Oh, God! We gotta hear about this nonsense for two whole months before we can get any kind of resolution. It's either that's gonna be settled out of court before then. Oh, man. Just. I have no words for how much I am not looking forward to covering this court trial, mostly because. We already know that evidence that's going to be used is a smiling poop emoji. I I just want to I just want that to sink in for a moment. We're going to take our first break here and when we come back, I want to talk about BMW trying to go and pass off that your car should be a subscription machine. <laughs> Back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, BMW. They have been rumored to have been planning this for a while, and now they have finally done it in a small section of the automotive market with plans to move to more markets. 
I am speaking, of course, of the concept of selling feature subscriptions. Heated seat subscriptions. So you can go ahead and be able to use the heated seats inside your car that already exists, by the way, for $18 a month. If you do not pay, the the button just simply will not work and the heat, and the heating coils already built into the seats will not function. Currently, this is only available in South Korea and in certain markets within the UK. I'm sorry, not the UK, the EU. But here's my question. Why? What's even dumber is the pricing structure of this. The pricing structure goes as follows. It goes... $18 a month. You can also subscribe ahead of time for a year for $180 for the year. Three years for $300. And here's my personal favorite. Or you can pay for unlimited access... You know, the way nature intended for when you go ahead and buy a vehicle for $415, which would roughly be about the cost I would expect a brand new car like a BMW to just charge for heated seats in the first freaking place. I want to remind you, by the way, no, not 450. Someone in chat said 450. 415. 415. Now, here's the thing with subscriptions. Subscription models work in certain circumstances. Netflix, for instance, the subscription model there makes sense because you are not maintaining anything. Netflix is going ahead and doing all the work maintaining the media library. They are paying the electricity on the servers hosting it. They are maintaining the deals for them, the licensing deals. They're maintaining all of that. In the case of a car that you physically own, I want to stress that, that you physically own, to go ahead and charge a monthly subscription is moronic. Completely moronic. Since, of course, you're not getting any additional feature for that. You're you're not getting anything additional by paying that other than the privilege to use what you already own. Imagine if I turned on my TV and it said your subscription to, who owns this TV? JVC ended, you need to renew your subscription to use the TV that I own. I can't even stream stuff off my Plex server. Can't even go ahead and sling up a YouTube video for my phone on the Chromecast that I attach to it. I cannot stress enough how much this model needs to go die in a fire. And by the way, before you think, oh, it's just heated seats, who cares? Let me tell you about some of the other things you can go ahead and uh, get in a subscription model. You can go ahead and get the BMW safety cam information on a subscription model. You can get driving assistant plus on a subscription model. You can get front heated seats on a subscription model. You can get high beam assistance on a subscription model. You can get heated steering wheels on a subscription model. 
Someone in chat said Peloton d did this. Yes, and I blasted them too. Guess what, by the way? There were a bunch, underline a bunch of commercial grade Peloton treadmills over at the leasing company that I get my used equipment from. They can't get rid of them because of this. Because they're now end of life, you can't even renew the subscription on them. They're just useless. They are literal e-waste and physical waste. Slow freaking clap. They're just going to get uh, uh, un uh, uh, uploaded, loaded onto a dump truck to be shipped off. To pay for, the for, sort of, for this sort of stuff for hardware level access is asinine. It should be something that is instantly smacked down if not intervened upon by authorities because this is getting ridiculous and before anyone else says oh it's okay because this company did this this company did that it's not about that i mean first off it is but it doesn't make it okay that kind of mentality is what's referred to as being frogged you've probably heard of this this kind of old wives tale before that um you put the frog in the pot of water and then start boiling it and then the frog accepts its surroundings and lets itself be boiled alive whereas if you just threw the frog into a pot of boiling water well it would just jump out immediately that is what you're starting to see and it needs to be slapped down so yeah not a fan here's what i will say though uh gm stole my idea there's no other way to say it, GM. <laughs> I don't think they actually stole the idea from me, to be perfectly clear. But they totally stole my idea. GM is partnering up with Pilot and will build EV Go fast chargers, which, by the way, might be the dumbest name for a fast charging network ever, EV Go Fast, at 500 of the Pilot and Flying J travel centers. What have I said again and again and again about electric vehicles? Electric vehicles are not going to see wide adoption unless you start seeing these sort of fast chargers be as, easy, as easily accessible as gas stations. Because think about this for a minute. I am at, I'm at, I am at basically like a modern apartment complex, at least for my area. There is no way for me, if I were to go ahead and get an electric vehicle, there's no way for me to charge it here. There just isn't. There's plenty of people in that boat that they're not going to be able to have the capability to do that. So to be able to go ahead, take whatever slight parasitic loss there is, but just go ahead and on the way into work, just swing by the, swing, swing by the little truck stop on the highway, charge up there for 15 minutes while I go get breakfast, leave, hit the road, it'd make it possible. So I, for one, am... Very glad to see Pilot and GM go ahead and work to make this possible. And of course, a setting like a truck stop is going to make a whole lot of sense because a, a small little gas station like you have in like a city where it's basically big enough to go ahead and get, you know, like what, a bottle of water, that candy bar you really shouldn't be eating, and a pack of smokes, and that's literally all the space there is for it. Nah, there's no sense putting an EV station there. It's not going to make a whole lot of sense. These sort of bigger ones, like in my area, there's there are gas stations called Quick Trips, and they're basically like small truck stops. They've got everything there. Everything. 
Someone in chat said, yeah, but have you tried using the EV Go charger? They tried using it at work and it was a waste of time. They want you to sign in, download an app, fill in all this, this personal info. It's really dumb. That's another thing that does need to be worked on. This, um, they put in the, the, the handshaking process needs to be streamlined. It really, really does. Like, okay, they want to download an app so they can get access to a payment processor. Okay, I get that. Here's my counterpoint to that. Just let me go up to you, plug in, go up, tap my card like you could prepay at a pump, and then let me plug in the car. It shouldn't be difficult, but a lot of these EV places are just trying to make it way more complicated than it has to be. And that is like one problem of trying to like smart appliancify the world. You end up adding so many layers of complexity that it was just like, why did you bother? Ah, but you see, I have a smart dishwasher. It goes ahead, uh, detects the weight that's in there. And then after I email, uh, enter in my email and birth date and all this other stuff, um, after this whole setup process, it will go ahead and uh, use roughly 0.2% less water than it would have otherwise. And then send me an email wherever I am in the world and my dishes are done. Or you just could have pressed the freaking start button. Some things making smart makes sense. Robot vacuum cleaners and making them smarter and smarter. Obviously that makes sense. I don't want to go ahead and sign into Facebook to use a mop. That's stupid. And for that fact, some, as cool as it is to have a touch screen inside your shower and enter in by number that I'd like a shower that is exactly, um, we'll try 87.8 degrees today. Oh yeah, and uh, here, and let me go enter in my weight, age, birth year, zodiac sign, uh, my favorite scion in the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV. Let me just enter that all in so I can go take a freaking shower. There comes a time and point where all of that is just absolutely ridiculous. And I do think that if these EV stations, oh, someone had said you forgot to enter your BMI, no shower for you. You're right, I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot my BMI. Someone in chat said I said 87.8. I, I meant 97.8, my, my bad. My bad, I'm sorry. No, 87.8 actually would feel would feel pretty cold to like, the, like the, the person in the chat said many people. I would say that would feel pretty cold to every person. The thing is with shower temperature is that um, you want it to be like slightly higher than your body temperature. And your body temperature is what, 98.6? Anything lower than that for an extended period of time, it's going to feel colder. At least that's the science that a lot of people would go, would go for, or go, go by anyway. Anyway, we're getting a little, little off topic, but yeah, these EV chargers, they do need to have a simple solution. I would not mind if they had both, if they had like the complex, Hey, I signed in my app. I did all this pre this, uh, pre this, all this advanced stuff. All I do is just walk up to the charger and connect it to my car. The car sends data back saying, hey, here's the account they already signed up for. And it's just a seamless charge like that. Like that's cool. But I think also the option of not doing all that, not giving my Zodiac sign and BMI index and uh, favorite comedian knowledge to a basically a giant wall wart <laughs> for my car. I would appreciate if there was another option that was just swipe, click, done. Oh yeah, and, and my pronouns. I really, I'm not gonna get on that rant.
I'm, I'm not gonna get on that rant. Instead, I'm gonna move on from this topic. Instead, I'm gonna talk about uh, someone that I absolutely show no respect to, and that is YouTube's latest star. And it is weird to see YouTube star and Dr. Disrespect in the same headline. And to clarify for the person in chat, no, my pronouns are not daddy. No, bad. You go outside with that. Anyway, Dr. Disrespect, he's in the news. Why? Because Dr. Disrespect has a video game. How many of you knew that Dr. Disrespect had a video game? Better yet, how many of you would trust a video game from a guy who calls himself Dr. Disrespect? I'm just saying, if I want to be disrespected and have a lethal amount of salt, I'd go play League of Legends. Ah, but why is this game in the news? Well, let me tell you. Because right now, you can go ahead and play test Dr. Disrespect's new game. If, and only if, you buy an NFT for the game. I gotta give the doctor credit here. This is absolutely genius. Most games that actually want to be taken seriously and be worth anything, go ahead and pay people to play test their, their game. But this guy is just right off the bat staying completely on brand by tricking people not only to play test the game for free but to pay to play test the game and award them a terrible link to just play test it but it's okay because you legally own that link to whatever the heck the nft is for even though you don't actually legally own it there's still no legal language that says that NFTs prove you legally own anything. Just a friendly reminder, by the way. A friendly reminder that NFTs are even dumber than you originally thought. I know. I didn't think it was possible either. But they are, in fact, even dumber than you thought. How? I don't know. But they are. Oh, man. I mean, do I even need to say the name of the game? I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I've told you everything you need to know. The douche lord went ahead, not only got himself banned on Twitch, whatever he got himself banned on for, he never actually pursued it in any way, shape, or form. So it actually was something, you know, serious. Moved to YouTube, and then immediately after moving to YouTube, absolutely ruins his reputation by launching a brand new game, but it's an NFT game. Because, you know... If there's one thing everyone in the world loves, it's NFTs. But look, it's not to say that disrespect is a force that can only be used for greed and evil. In fact, there is someone who has used disrespect for the greater good. And that person is this developer who ambushed an NFTs in public talk to go ahead and talk about how NFTs are the worst, dumbest, stupidest thing to ever blight the planet, and here's why. And it turns out the crypto sponsor that got, we'll, we'll just say upset. This guy, the disrespect this guy shows is insane, and he is a legend for it. Now, this article comes from Kotaku. Brazil had an international games festival last week, and, the, and developer Mark... Venturity, who I have most likely mispronounced, 
also known as Chroma Squad, was scheduled to give a talk about the future of game design. A few seconds in, he flipped and revealed the presentation's real title, Why NFTs Are a Nightmare. And it was to a room full of applause. Insane. Absolutely insane. The actual crypto and NFT investors of the festival were completely and utterly outraged by the audacity of this guy. Good. Freaking good. Do I even need to mention why I absolutely applaud this guy? I hope I wouldn't, but I will anyway for one big reason. Right now in the space of gaming, we are still at this time seeing tons upon tons upon tons of people trying to go all in on the concept of NFTs and games, trying to go in on the concept of blockchain gaming and all of this. And the problem is that no one has mentioned the benefits of blockchain gaming other than one thing. And tell me if this sounds like a great idea to be able to go ahead and use virtual currency from one game in another. That is the only benefit people have shown that NFT uh, that NFTs and crypto are good for in gaming. But here's the thing. It already exists. There are a bunch of fairly scummy MMO publishers like Gameforge, for instance, that the currency you go ahead and use to purchase microtransactions and cosmetics and whatnot in one MMO can also be used in another MMO shop. Oh, but because of blockchain, you can go ahead and earn that, that currency in game. Yeah, but the only reason you're able to, to earn it is by trying to sell a fake thing to someone else. The concept of pay to earn is one that absolutely defeats the purpose of video games. This is another big trend in video games right now. The concept of a game being just one giant rat maze for the sole purpose to earn a fake currency to then sell to someone else dumb enough to buy it. Does that sound like a good idea to you? To go ahead and play a week's worth of, say, Diablo Immortal over and over again, earn enough Diablo bucks. We'll say, actually, we'll call it Battle.net bucks. To earn enough Battle bucks to sell to someone else so that they can go ahead and use it to purchase a WoW token instead. Or better yet, be in the soulless grind of World of Warcraft, a game that can't figure out what the heck to do with itself, doesn't respect your time, and expects you day after day after day to sign in. Otherwise, if you don't, you're falling behind. And now you're going to fall even further behind because you went ahead and sold some of your gold for battle bucks so that someone else can buy it and waste it on a 10 rift or a 10 crest rift that generated nothing of value. Does that sound like fun? I don't know about you, but as someone who not only plays video games for fun on the side as a way to relax, but also plays video games live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon for entertainment and as a hobby on a semi-professional but not really level, the concept of having to go ahead and run chore after chore after chore after chore just to go ahead and sell the currency for a few bucks is pointless to me. It sounds like a colossal waste of time. 
Heck, I took on one challenge on my stream. It's going to Final Fantasy 14 and level up every single job in the game and do it in a way that is as fun and as interesting as possible. I have a deck and I'm not even kidding when I say this. People who are with me live knows for a fact. I have a deck of cards with nothing but challenges and silly things to do while going through and doing what would essentially be a boring task of running the most current dungeon for every single class there is for the sole purpose of spicing it up. But go ahead, please tell me about how play to earn is the future and is totally not a giant grift to get people to just earn more money for the company. Cause you know, dang well that every single one of these transactions to convert your cryptocurrency that you went ahead and ran chore gas 10,000 times to earn and sell to someone else for real cash, you know, the sole purpose of it was for Activision Blizzard to skim 10% off the top. Heck, maybe they'll do worse. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll skim 30%. The industry seems to love that 30-70 thir- that split lately. Actually, who am I kidding? It's Activision Blizzard. It'll be a 50-50 split. But go ahead, crypto bros. Please, tell me again why this is an amazing thing for the future and not something that is going to kill video gaming in general. Or for that fact, you know, how about you name a successful play to earn game? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to say Ax- Axel Infinity. You and I both know that game is now history. That game has collapsed in on itself because of course pay to earn isn't sustainable because play to earn relies on infinite growth, on infinite idiots. And although there's a lot of stupid people in the world, Diablo Immortal has proved that there are way more smart people than you think. Or at least enough people who know that they're not 100% certain and should go ahead and check with people like me why something is such a bad idea. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We're going to talk about another bad idea. Unity buying Iron Source. Welcome back, you guys on tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Iron Source to merge with Munity. Munity? Unity! So, what does it mean? Well, it means that, well... We're going to see Unity acquire all of Iron Source, and Iron Source's CEO is going to be joining Unity's board of directors it is going to be a proper merger not one of those fake ones like where elon musk's holding company merges with twitter but actually you know elon musk becomes the controlling factor in all of it this would be a true merger in which iron source would have a say in what goes on in unity now for those who don't know unity is a well they're an engine maker they of course know They're, of course, known for the Unity engine, which honestly is a game engine that has, um, it's always had some weird vibes with a lot of people. It's considered a very easy engine to use, but one that uh, supposedly can't make a whole lot of high quality games. Like, that's what a lot of people say. But, you know, there's been some decent product made with Unity. 
Heck, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster was all made in Unity. At the same time, that does explain a little bit of its wonkiness. So they already Unity is just kind of in a weird spot in the professional games making space, but it's a good option for a lot of small developers. So that's Unity. What's Iron Source though? Well, Iron Source is a, they're an ad company. An ad company that is well known for, um, how, how should I say it? A lot of the stuff they make is not exactly on the up and up. In fact, Iron Source is well known for making malware. Yeah, a lot of those like early earlier ads that will just like directly inject like adware directly into the computer. Yeah, that's Iron Source's doing. They've in fact also made plenty of uh, installers in the past being like, oh, very nice, convenient things. You can go ahead and get this, uh, get things like the Snapchat app running on your PC. It'll be fun and exciting and perfect and everything will be happy. Except that actually what all it's doing is installing, you know, a, um, it's installing the BlueStacks emulator. So you're just emulating Snapchat. It's not a native app. So you're just running Snapchat in BlueStacks. And on top of that, it then installed a whole bunch of adware on top of that. So yeah, Iron Source is about as scummy of a software developer as it gets without actually being directly just ransomware manufacturers. So you can see why I'm not exactly enthusiastic about this merger. I take that back. I am very enthusiastic about this merger because I see it as the worst possible thing that could possibly happen. It'd be one thing if Unity was buying Iron Source and stripping all of the leadership out of Iron Source and using only their assets to generate ads for Unity developers. That'd be one thing, but they're not. They are keeping the staff on board. They are keeping the CEO and the CEO is going to have a say now in what Unity does in addition to the company that formerly was his. This is going to do a lot to hurt the trust of those who, of of the few who actually, you know, had a lot of faith in Unity. That trust is going to vanish very, very quickly. Oh, but who the heck would know? That's what you're thinking, right? There's a lot of these sort of merges that go on and most people don't even know they happened or even care, right? Yeah, the general public, they're not going to care a whole lot about the fact that Unity merged with Iron Source. But let me tell you this. What kind of people normally go ahead and keep an eye on video game engines? There are going to be professionals in the field. They are going to be people who want to be on the up and up with what is the latest in the world of gaming news. They are what you would refer to as a high information consumer. We'll see how this goes, but I'll just tell you this right now. This is quite possibly the worst thing that could happen for Unity just ever. Are you going to trust a Unity game after hearing this? After hearing that the people who go ahead and distribute malware on pop-up ads is now part of Unity? The guys who are behind a lot of distribution of fake virus pop-ups? Are you going to be, are you, you know, are you going to really trust Unity after that? It's going to be hard. It's going to be rough to go ahead and trust Unity when they have now this parasite within them. And what's even more 
infuriating about this is that this purchase, this merger of Unity comes off just after there were massive layoffs within Unity. Really? 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 That's what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead and after laying off tons of workers, buy up Iron Source, ruin the lives of hundreds of employees, and then go ahead and buy Iron Source. You want to talk about piling on a lose after a lose? This is how you do it. Right here. You lay people off, you fire them. I, and granted, the layoffs I get. I get it. Right now with the recession that is pretty much inevitable, at least what it seems like at this time. We'll see how the future holds. You want to go ahead and keep your costs low as you expect spending on the average consumer to also decrease drastically. But to go ahead and buy up a big company like Iron Source after that, that's not good. That's not good at freaking all. But it's all right. The sole reason is just to help with devs to monetize. That's it. It'll be fine. By the by, the deal was for $4.4 billion. Granted, it was an all-stock deal. So it's not like they had $4.4 billion in cash laying around. That's still not a good look, though. The optics of this are staggeringly bad. It's not a move. They should have thought about and even considered at freaking all. <sighs> so that's my question to you. What are your thoughts? Or perhaps you'd like to know a little bit more about exactly how Iron Source operates. Why I am so upset about this deal. It's okay. Fortunately, this article from Ben Edelman tells us everything we need to know about how Iron Source promises to empower software through faster, smoother downloads and installations and increase user trust. It sounds reasonable, right? Right? But of course, this is the same company that goes ahead and gives you things like a Chrome browser, which is just an entire bundle of nothing but adware. The whole thing was all a scheme powered by Iron Source back in October 31st of 2014 of just downloading Google Chrome. And then when you download it from downloadb.net, all you're greeted with is just installation after installation after installation of more and more adware and malware. And chances are, if you've ever tried to go through and find new drivers for odd things or just a download for some software and found a sponsored ad that looked weird, you have most likely found Iron Source's handiwork because this is something they excel at. But no, please tell me again why this company is, you know, a good thing for Unity. You know what this is going to result in? This is going to result in even worse mobile games. And I don't even know how it was possible. Funny enough, in my experimentation on a secured device, I came across one mobile game called Mob Control. Not even kidding. An ad plays every single time you play around and you have an option to play a second ad for bonuses. Imagine if every mobile game is that. And while you're at it, installs more adware because Iron Source. Yeah, it is far, far worse than I'm willing to bet most people realized. One person in chat even admitted, I casually skimmed this in the news without knowing the full stories. And now after hearing this, it's just bonkers bad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
in other oddball news, there is a copyright lawsuit that would quite possibly kill the free access to the internet's archive of library books. Someone in chat says the ads can be more entertaining in those games. I think it's funnier in games like that one where um, you get multiple ads for the same game and they show a different game every time. Like you see, you see an ad for like, I think it's like Final Fortress or something like that. And you've seen four different games that claim to be the same game. There was another one too I saw on Twitter that um, the mobile game was just straight up. The footage they showed was just modded Red Alert 2. It was literally modded Red Alert 2. It even used the same exact sound effects as Red Alert 2. It had the same soundtrack as Red Alert 2. I even recognized the map as being from Red Alert 2. The UI was just slightly modded Red Alert 2. But it's not Red Alert 2, it's Age of Z. I guarantee you that's not the game. But no, totally Red Alert 2. Totally. It's just like Red Alert 2. But in any case, a copyright lawsuit threatens to... I can speak words, I swear. A copyright lawsuit threatens to kill free access to the internet's archive of internet library books. So four different corporate publishers are claiming that the nonprofit online library violates copyright, despite what the library is doing is considered fair use. Now, here's gonna be the fun part. I don't know who's right because the DMCA is a very strange mistress. And I don't know if what the archive is doing actually does violate DMCA or not. And it doesn't help at all that the DMCA is in fact actually pretty poorly written when all is said and done. So how this will all end is completely and utterly pretty much unknown to us at this time. Now, currently the Internet Archive is in fact seeking a judgment in federal lawsuit to try and have this be settled very swiftly and presenting their evidence as their hopes that this will all be settled fine is what the now of course one argument that's being brought forward is well a library can do this why can't a digital library an actual library is not subject to the dmca law because it's not digital so we'll have to wait and see how that goes now an update from last week about the Canadian ISP Rogers. Now, at the time we reported, I don't think we had, I, no, it was no, the early bird briefing. I didn't know whether it cleared or not. I think by the time Eagle Eyes on Tech happened, we knew that the outage did clear. But after the entire outage, the Rogers CEO, who is also the president, even though that's not how that works, but apparently it is in Canada, went ahead and put out a full and long apology about the outage and what caused it. Apparently, basically, certain pieces of network equipment ended up being unplugged and brought offline after maintenance. I will say this much, though. The fact that the CEO went out and actually apologized for the whole thing does take some balls, and I do have some respect for that. That being said, you know, there better be a very stern meeting, and I guarantee you there probably is, about how we maybe uh, don't do that again. 
Someone in chat asked, do you believe the the CEO? I do believe he is sorry. Because here's the thing with the CEO. What do you have to gain from an outage like that? Rogers has nothing to gain from being offline. <laughs> Their reputation is absolutely shot after they were offline to the entire freaking... It, it's This isn't like, you know... Oh, oh, someone in chat was saying, do I believe that that was what was the actual cause? You know what? Yes, I do believe that was the cause because if it was something more drastic, here's the thing. If this was a lie, they would have come up with a better lie. Like a failure like this is understandable, but it is kind of embarrassing because this was 100% preventable. If it was something like, you know, Johnny went ahead and spilled coffee on the primary router and took the entire rack out, which took everything else out. They would have come up with a lie like, oh man, you wouldn't believe it. We saw the biggest freaking beaver and it found one of our primary fiber optic lines and it just chewed right through it. It's crazy, man. They would have come up with a lie if it was something that was worse than this. And it would have been a lie that would have made it seem like it was out of their control. The fact that it was something that was pretty mundane, something that could have been prevented, I think does suggest that this is 100% exactly what happened. Because if it wasn't, they would have had a better lie. But that's just what they want you to think. And maybe it worked though, because I believe it. I also believe that the state of New Jersey was, uh, was jealous of all of Canada for having an internet outage and decided, you know what? Why don't we have our own internet outage? Someone in chat sa sa says a DDoS attack or a malware attack would be the sort of thing they'd also want to admit as well. I think they would admit the malware attack before they admit that one of their own guys went ahead and mucked up primary router systems during maintenance. A DDoS attack, they would just admit it was a DDoS attack. I think considering the, considering the equipment that did fail, and was caused by human error, they would have much rather have said that it was a malware attack or a DDoS attack because it was something that was out of their hands. And that's something you always want if you're trying to restore your reputation. You want to go and pin the blame on literally anyone else but you. But that's just my thought on it. That being said, New Jersey! New Jersey had a major outage thanks to... The ISP, is it actually that name of it? It actually is. The, thanks to Optimum having a problem. <laughs> Someone else in chat says, it's true, but they'd wanna, they wouldn't want to admit being susceptible to such a thing. Honestly, with the way the, uh, the corporate space is right now, it almost seems like getting hacked or malwared or anything like that is like the new cool person thing to do. <laughs> Everyone wants, wants to be ransomware because that's the new hotness, man. Like, think about it. After all the developers that say, like, we got hit by ransomware, we got hit, hit by ransomware, you, we got hit by ransomware, it's no longer a, wow, you really fell for that. It's now a, wow, it even got them too. Dang. But yeah, even the DDoS to be susceptible to something like that. Um, I would still say they would admit that first just because it takes the blame out of their hands and puts the blame more on the mysterious source of the DDoS attack. The other thing, if it actually was a DDoS attack that actually like took down Rogers, a, a DDoS attack that was, that's that big, we'd notice. 
Oh man, we'd notice. That much internet traffic taking down an entire ISP? It would be like a digital nuclear bomb going off. There's no way you wouldn't notice that. But anyway, outage in New Jersey from the Opto network. It took out a large chunk of service to the entire state. Now, the cause for this, going back to the whole Rogers would want to go ahead and admit it if it was out of their, their hands. You wanna know what caused the outage and why Optimum admitted it basically immediately? There was a car accident on Route 53 that knocked down a pole, which caused a fire and led to the loss of service. A car accident. But guess what? It's not their fault. I would argue it kind of is because you had one pole go down and that takes out freaking everything. That is not a good look for everyone over at Optimum. Now, we're going to take our last break here. When we come back, I want to talk about nothing. That's right. We're going to talk about nothing next because there's a lot of nothing to talk about. Look, I'm not that very good at, at puns, but man, when you talk about nothing, it is very difficult not to make these puns. I'm just saying. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so we're gonna talk about nothing. That's right, we're gonna talk about nothing. Nothing, for those of you who don't know, believe it or not, actually is something. What they are is an electronics manufacturer who are led by the former lead of the OnePlus team, which now makes a whole lot of sense why their company name makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But nothing has announced the nothing phone one, which honestly is a very interesting phone. Because on, on its face, it is a, it's a promising phone. It has a very iPhone-esque design. It has a clear back revealing, you know, some various white components. It still looks very clean-ish. It has a unique look with these uh, diffused LEDs and various geometric patterns. And it, it's definitely something that when it's lit up, you're going to notice it. You're going to notice it right away. And probably the best part about this phone is that it's not trying to be the very best at anything. It is trying to be a middle ground phone. With that, it also comes with a very aggressive price tag. This phone costs, oh God, I forgot what that symbol is. Either 399 euros or 399 pounds. And I'm not sure, I think that's euros. No, I think that's pounds. Oh God. It's been so long since I've had to go ahead and cover European pricing, I've forgotten the the difference, someone else has confirmed that it is in fact pounds. Someone in chat says the euro looks like a much rounded E. That's what I thought. And then I started doubting myself again. <laughs> it's le pounds. But yeah, 399 pounds. That is, you know, a pretty decent price for us for a straight up bought phone. This would come out to roughly 600 US or 624 maple dollars, also known as Canadian dollars. Uh, you can send your Canadian hate mail at uh, free maple syrup at eaglepodcasts.totallyreal. Don't ask for that email again because I totally just made that up on the spot. At this time, though, there is no intentions on selling this phone to the West. This is pretty much going to 
almost strictly be a European phone and other developing markets. But you know, this phone is using kind of, you know, not the highest and latest end of... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, someone in chat said, well, I'm sorry that we're such a joke to you. Yeah. It's, it's okay. My own country's a joke to me too. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the phone is interesting in the fact that it is a mid-tier phone. It's not using like the latest and greatest processor. It's not using the latest and greatest camera, but it is using one that is going to be more than enough for the average person. Seeing as how Nowadays, mobile processing and mobile capability on cameras, you don't need the latest and greatest to have a very good phone. You don't anymore. And we see way, 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 way too much focus and hype being put on the latest and greatest iPhone, the latest and greatest Samsung Ultra that costs $1,400 and some other series let's be perfectly honest let's say it for what it is and i and i do strongly recommend everyone else say this as well those sort of crazy high-end flagship phones they're not for the average person like apple has made this kind of uh, and i and i strongly blame apple for this they have made it so that if you don't have the latest and greatest high-end iphone pro that you're just a pleb. You're a nothing. That thing might as well be freaking garbage. It's not the case. The actual baseline iPhone, now that they're not just like doing stupid things, like just having just raw LCD screens on it, are perfectly serviceable for the average person. They're gonna be more phone than they ever need for the most part. The iPhone Pro is intended for the enthusiast, for like the content creator that actually plans on like making decent videos on the go. I have an S21 Ultra solely because I wanted it for that exact same reason, to use my phone on a stabilizing gimbal to go ahead and make content when we're allowed to go outside again. And when I'm allowed to have free time again, whenever the hell that is. So for the Nothing Phone 1 to go ahead and take this middle of the road approach, I for one applaud. But yeah, they're using like a 50 megapixel Sony sensor. You know, it's, it's decent. They're using a, ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba, what's the processor? The Snapdragon 778G Plus. It's using a 4,500 milliamp ba battery. You know, it's only got a 33 watt uh, power delivery charger so it, can power, so it can charge the phone in 33 minutes. But you know what? That's fine. That's totally fine. Someone in chat asks, does it have an audio jack? Um, I think so, but before I make any promises, let's just quickly go to Google and type in, does the nothing phone one have a headphone jack? No! I'm glad I checked it has, it, it has nothing for headphone jacks. Oh, that is a real shame. That is a real shame. Oh, man. <laughs> Someone in chat says, why are you reporting on it? This is nothing. <laughs> you could rent a headphone jack for $10 a month, though. Wow. Chat is on fire. But someone else in chat actually brings up probably the biggest reason why I'm disappointed in this. That would have been the biggest earth shaker to those looking at mid-range phones. 
the high-end phones, oh, we'll just get rid of the headphone jack because it's sleeker. It's sexier. You could have just had the headphone jack. You could have just had... In fact, actually, I want to bring this actually back up on the screen that you can't see because it's an audio podcast. The re- the main reason I saw the, thought, thought there was a headphone jack, right where it used to be, there's like this little shape where they put all the markings that they're legally required to have on it. And it looks like the little shape there would have been about the same size as a headphone jack. But nope, there isn't one. Big, big shame. And I, I really do wish more phones would just go ahead and just, just include the headphone jack. Oh, but then we won't get more sales from our wireless headphones. But guess what? The people who wanted to go ahead and use the headphone jack in the first place, they weren't ever going to buy your phone or your wireless earbuds anyway. Include the headphone jack. It doesn't take that much extra space. It doesn't cost basically anything to go ahead and include it. And you would have gotten more sales from the people who want to go ahead and use you as a budget conscious phone. Uh, but we're sick of the way you think, old man. Everything's wireless now. Yeah, everything's wireless now. Let me tell you how well my wireless earbuds work. Uh, they don't. I would much rather, for how quickly I go through wireless earbuds because I work in a hot and sweaty environment, just go ahead and use a wired pair. I really, really would. But I don't want to damage the one port I have on my phone. It's such a shame. It is such a shame. Now, right now, of course, like I said, it's only available in basically European markets and other developing areas as well. And I don't know if so- if someone was trying to say, oh, that's my sick burn on Europe. No, that's just that's just what a lot of these budget phones target. They target Europe because or in European markets, they don't do like the pay over two years sort of thing that's become omnipresent in here in the USA. They buy their phones outright. So, you know, saving a couple hundred bucks on your initial purchase, huge deal. Rather than, oh man, I only save $5 a month by going to this phone over that phone. That's not that big a deal to most people. But of course, that's just how our mobile market here in the US is compared to how it is across the sea. And quite frankly, I'm not going to lie. I prefer I prefer the way Europe does it. Does it. And that's just me. Anyway, that's much to do about nothing. Let me talk about Microsoft for a minute and how they are planning to change up how they're going to go ahead and release Windows. Remember when they said that Windows 10 was going to be the last Windows ever and they were just going to keep patching that? Keep rolling out major update, update features to that? Remember that whole scheme? Yeah, it was a good joke, huh? Well, Microsoft is now moving back to having major releases every three years. Yep, we can look forward to Windows 12 in like two and a half years. Ooh, aren't you looking forward to Windows 12? Even though you're currently doing everything in your power to try and uh, and avoid Windows 11? Yeah, good times. Here's what I will say. Since they're doing this thing where you're basically getting the new version of... uh, Someone asked, is it three years from Windows 11 dropped or three years from now? They're not saying. This is just their planned roadmap. The thing with planned roadmaps, they change. They find out a road is closed and have to make a detour. It happens over and over. Remember remember, uh, Intel's roadmap of not having uh, 74 years of 14 nanometers? How they're totally going to have down to like five, f- five or three nanometers by now. Yeah, good times. <laughs> good times indeed. Here's what I'll say about this. And I said this on the early bird briefing as well. 
I would be more in favor of this if they adopted Apple's OS strategy. What we get right now out of Windows is a migraine. Because what ends up happening is that they save all these major updates and then just dump them on us, have it be incompatible with everything, but then choose to do minor feature updates here and there to just go ahead and give us minor headaches every few months and then a major headache when we go ahead and make the poor life decision of upgrading in three years. Do you know how Apple does it? Apple does not update their operating system basically at all with one exception. Every year at WWDC, they give you a sneak look at what the next version of macOS is gonna be. They then give developers three months to go ahead and mess with it to get all their stuff ready for it. And then they drop the update and then it's free across all Macs. And then that's it. They don't touch it again until June. They do this like clockwork. They did it back when their operating system were numbers. They did this back when their operating system were cats and they do it now, now that their operating system is named after really stupid things. Just copy that Microsoft. Save your updates, roll it out into one thing throw that announce that one slick thing in a cute little keynote in which you're going to make it really awkward because you guys can't do a keynote to save your lives push it out and in the developer channels for three or four months and then roll it out to the public you don't need to reinvent the wheel every how many versions of mac os 10 did we have 18 you contemplated doing this with windows 10 that's why windows 10 was going to be the very last version of windows What happened? They strayed from the path. They didn't listen to Steve Ballmer, who stood up on on stage and screamed at the top of his lungs like the raving lunatic that he is. Developers, 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 developers. Because they are what makes you. You need to listen to developers, 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 developers. You need to listen to the feedback. And then you need to stick to your schedule. Delay if you need to. Go ahead and do a patch for any, any time for any time there's a security update because God forbid you're going to have one. And that's where Windows excels over Mac OS is in security. Windows actually patches their updates unless they're in IE, then then you're effed. But nope, we're going to go to the old way, the old way that was infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. But you know what? Maybe you're sick of windows maybe you're sick of mac os too maybe you want to reject mon modern you want to reject reject current operating systems maybe you want to just go back to a simpler time well google says you can it is now available you can download chrome os flex and install it on old hardware and turn any fully functional machine that could have a second life using literally any other operating system into a basic nothing Chrome browser. Turn it into a Chromebook. We can also swap out the internal combustion engine on your car and replace it with a RC racing car to give it a top speed of 12 miles an hour, but at least now it'll be fully electric. Uh, 98% of me still hates this. 98% of me still hates Chrome OS Flex. The entire concept of taking a perfectly good machine that is capable of actually doing real work and turn it into a 
basically a Chromebook offends me. But that being said, I do have the perfect use case. I still have a 10 inch Atom based tablet from Dell and it cannot run any flavor of Windows because it is just too slow and I cannot upgrade the RAM on it at all. And most flavors of Linux cannot touch that Wi-Fi card. And maybe there's a flavor of Linux that will actually breathe new life into that tablet. I don't know. Someone who's probably more familiar with, with software than me can probably resurrect that tablet. But you know what? Chrome OS would probably work on it. Probably. It's funny. I hate this concept, but I have probably the one device that Chrome OS Flex will save this device from a landfill. But then again, apparently I'm not the only one because, well, apparently the Danish hate Chrome OS as much as I do because the Data Protection Authority imposes a ban on new Chromebooks. Now, for, uh, there may be like weird typos and whatnot in this because um, this article is directly from a Danish news source and was automatically translated through Google. So, but basically they're looking at the way that the former G Suite operates and saying that it can in fact be a security risk and not up to snuff into protecting the information of children. That's gonna be something that Google's gonna have to try and answer for, especially if more than just the Danish start to take a closer look at Chromebooks and how basically you are taking the entire IT department of a school and putting it strictly in the hands of one source of Google, taking control out of the school's ability. It's been one thing that has rubbed me the wrong way with Chromebooks from the very beginning. But we'll have to wait and see how that is looked at. Speaking of downgrading systems, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the most amazing stupid thing ever done to an Xbox series series. Someone went ahead and installed Windows 98 on an Xbox Series X. So they could go ahead and play all the classic PC games like Quake, Half-Life, Unreal, and Command and Conquer. I'm torn. I am actually torn about this because one part of me wants to just absolutely blast the guy who did this. You went ahead and you took a perfectly good machine and installed Windows 98 on it for crying out loud. First off, the correct answer was Windows 95. Let's be perfectly honest. If you wanna go ahead and get that authentic feel of those classics, Windows 95 is the way to go. I'm just saying. Even though that was imperfect as well, you have a much more natural DOS experience on it. And that's where you're gonna get the real classic PC games on DOS. Someone in chat said, what about Windows ME? All right, well, it was nice knowing that person. Uh, they, they, are, they are now not only being banned, but being assassinated. You, ca you cannot simply just like Windows ME. That's how wars are started. Such a shame too. But in any case, in case you thought it couldn't be done, Windows 98 running on an Xbox. And now because of this, someone's gonna go ahead and figure out how to mine Bitcoin using an Xbox Series X. 
Hey man, once you get that operating system on there, that's it. All bets are off. In other oddball news, um, Valve is looking to go ahead and work on CMOS optimizations and let other manufacturers install this brand new flavor of SteamOS on other devices. Oh, really? Really? SteamOS on other small manufacturer devices? I mean, that means Valve is, who's making the Steam Deck, is going to give this wonderful optimized operating system to their com- directly to their competitors, to GPD and all the other ones. Ah, but here's the thing. From a business standpoint, from Valve's point of view, it's brilliant. Because they're not going to make that much money on the hardware. I get, they're already not making all that much money on the Steam Deck. Let's be perfectly honest. What they're going to make a whole lot of money on is having more and more people using, uh, using the Steam Store. That's where the beauty is. And on top of that, if they're just going to go ahead and make the installation of the software available for pretty much anyone, you know, I'm planning a living room in my apartment. Going to do some shopping for some couches. I got a big 70-inch TV planned, assuming that the people who have it didn't absolutely thrash it. You know, the whole point of it is going to be to take any console from back in my area behind me and just hook it up to the TV. What if after I upgrade the GPU in my gaming PC, we go build a box out of that? Have that be a PC-based console running SteamOS? I'm interested, Valve, for a very, very silly home project. And now for something completely different in which I am just going to tell you the headline, say nothing else, and move on. Are you ready for this very important headline you must hear? Journey to the mis- to the mystery planet. Why Uranus is the new target for space exploration. That is all you need to know. And now for the last verb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. It has been a challenge. A challenge for modders and hackers everywhere to figure out what can we all run Doom on? We've run Doom on a smartphone. We have run Doom on a Switch. We have run Doom on a Steam Deck. We've run Doom on a Stream Deck. We've run Doom on a on a refrigerator. We've run Doom on a McDonald's kiosk. We've run Doom on everything except for one. One device in existence has eluded the ability to run Doom. All right, someone in chat reminded us that we in fact did run Doom on a pregnancy test. How could I forget? But there is one thing that we've been unable to run Doom on, and now we have. We have successfully run Doom on Doom. The engine of Doom emulating Doom within Doom. I am dead serious. This isn't even like, oh man, we got Doom running on (laughs) we got retro doom running in modern doom no inside retro doom running a level in which on a wall you play doom within doom all right that's it everyone we did it we've done it everyone we have officially run doom on everything at least until 
some other new thing that potentially has a mono color screen or a color screen to run Doom. We've officially done it. No longer can anything else run Doom. We've run out of things to run Doom on. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which can be found at anchor.fm slash early b-i-r-b briefing and you can check out my twitch page twitch.tv slash eagle falcon there are a handful of stories we didn't get to today those will be available on the subscriber only edition of eagle eyes on tech you can find more information at anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech take care and i hope you have a great day Someone in chat did give us a friendly reminder. There is one still new frontier that we haven't installed Doom on. No one has successfully installed Doom and run Doom on Windows ME, mostly because no software ever, ever ran on Windows ME. And if you think you have run software on Windows ME, I hate to break it to you, you are actually part of the matrix. You need to reach the back of your head and pull out the plug. That is how you know you're actually in the matrix. If Windows ME actually runs successfully on anything.